I understood that relationship of a, a master and a student kind of a thing and started seeking more Buddhist stuff because it made me feel less shitty. And I was able to like put things in a better perspective, you know, instead of feeling like a victim or whatever, um, feeling like, oh, this is just a means to an end. And you kind of go through this for that. Um, so, you know, I had some real world applications with that. And yeah, just started doing a self-discovery, slowly learning about Buddhism along the way as a Westerner. Um, to top it off, it was very much soaked in LSD culture, which dilutes that a little bit, um, you know, puns intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so it all becomes kind of a hodgepodge. Um, so, and you see that in my art, you see that it's not only is it traditional um, Tibetan, but it's mixed with um, Japanese style. Uh, it's mixed with things from Thailand. The shadows in my work are inspired from Indonesian shadow puppetry. Uh, you know, there's a lot of kabuki elements that I use like visually. So yeah, it's my art is as diverse as I am as far as the Buddhism and, and Buddhist art is concerned. Talking about NFTs and that's nifty. That's nifty. All the great artists they come to this place to talk about the crypto space and that's nifty. That's nifty. That's nifty. Your hosts for tonight's podcast are Tyler. Larry and Slime Sunday. Damn, that's nifty. Paper Buddha. My dudes, how are you doing? Fantastic. How about yourself, man? I am doing excellent. <clears throat> We've got a little auction going on tonight, too, right? Every night. Every, every night. night. So way to do every it. Every night. Hey. <laughs> there I'm we gonna, are. I'm going to have my camera off for a lot of this because I'm like rolling up and then we're going to go hotbox my car together. Yes. Deal. Yeah, man. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. And then we're gonna use uh, we're gonna use whatever video clips we get for my super rare application, just to be rebel. <laughs> Let's fucking love it. Let's go. <laughs> I'll send you the video awesome. right after. Oh, I love it. Perfect. This is a long time coming, man. I was introduced to you were one of the first people that I actually picked up on Tezos way back in June. Didn't really know anything about the Discord or anything like that. I just loved uh, creators was the piece that I got, and then through threesomes you know you hopped into that discord started hanging out and your stuff has been blowing up man yeah thanks dude eth um, tezos yeah. solana all of it yep 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 we got uh we got a paper auction on saturday which is the our custom erc 721 on ethereum uh, and then i've got a sol auction on sunday for a 101 um, auctions just went live on exchange.art so really getting into that ecosystem pretty, pretty heavy now. I think we're at just the right time. Like we went over there maybe a month or two ago and it was just a little bit early. There wasn't a lot of art, art. There wasn't a lot of like one-on-ones. Um, there, it wasn't quite fully functional yet, uh, but now the, the time is just right. Hell yeah, man. Did, um, who got you over there? I, I think I've seen, um, does Cole have some work on Solana? Uh, Cole collects some stuff over there. He recently started minting. Yeah. But, uh, Let's see. Originally, I got in over there through Street Dreams Cafe and like uh, Goku and Dave Krugman, JN Silva. Um, so, you know, they were building stuff on Metaplex before anybody knew what the shit was going on over there. Um, and so I was kind of like the weirdo looking from behind the bushes because I like I like being the early adopter. Right. Um, <clears throat> but I was just a little bit too early. Uh, so no problem. You just pull back back into the bushes for a minute and wait. Uh, and then sure enough, you know, they, they really started attracting a lot of people with photography. Photography is yeah. having its time in the sun right now. Oh, I love it. Like Jay, any, anytime someone says we're early, I, th I think of like JN and like, think of how early someone like a dude, like he was like building out those, like his little niche groups and, and communities before this was even like conceptualized as far as NFTs. I was going to ask, when did you, what, what was your first, what mint, when, when was your first mint and when were you like all in on NFTs and, and kind of, you know, putting your art out there on a blockchain, on a blockchain. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of two different stories. There's how I got 
to Paper Buddha and then like after Paper Buddha. So Paper Buddha became a thing. Um, shit, when was the first mint? February or March of 21. Yeah. You know, so so pretty, pretty much right there at the beginning with most of the second wave of folks. Um, so like I wouldn't consider myself OG like a lot of those blue chip guys, but definitely at the first wave of, of Tezos for sure. Yep. Less than a dollar a coin. Yeah. It's a matter of like reading it though. Like if if you know you're you know can kind of see how things are playing out. There's no rush. I got the guy when we talked to Krugman, he was he's moved so you know meticulously through the space. It's like take your own pace. Yeah, you know, for me, I came at this from the Bitcoin and self sovereignty side of things, yep. and um, that like led to me wanting to design a lifestyle that allowed me to really take advantage of being a digital nomad and living on web and web three for real, for real. Um, and being a, a sovereign individual, you know, and that led me to like, well, what kind of profession could I do in web three? Like I'm shit for code, so I can't do that. Uh, you know, I don't have the <laughs> patience to sit there and be an engineer. Um, <clears throat> so art, well, what's going on with this art shit? And then I heard about, um, what did I hear about? I heard about CryptoKitties. I got into the Discord. Like I found them on a subreddit. I got into their Discord. I didn't understand gas at all. And like, <laughs> bro, the fucking, the stuff that will haunt me forever are my first couple comments of like, gas is stupid, dude. Fucking CryptoKitties. And it was like, I took a hard pass on some of the dopest shit because I didn't understand gas. Am I going to pay a hundred uh, you know, bucks for gas for a hundred dollar item? Are you kidding? Nowadays? Yeah. Nowadays it's like, Oh, I would never pay 400 bucks in gas, but I'll pay 0.1 ETH in gas. Fuck it. Yeah. You know, Cause it's a whole different, it's a whole different thing now. Um, so anyway, that was kind of like my first hearing about NFTs. And then I heard about like uh, garbage pail kids uh, over on the wax blockchain. And I was like, I get that from a collectible standpoint because I collected magic cards, baseball cards when I was young. Um, and so like I, I vibed with that. And then I really started to understand the blockchain technology behind it and what it really meant, like um, the, the public accounting that's going on and how I can dig into somebody's wallet. So yeah, I kind of taught myself a little bit of, uh, I did a couple of funny projects on Wax uh, and released them out there. and. Uh, learned how to do my own a little bit of like smart contract deployment on the wax blockchain and then from there you know it's not economically feasible to do fuck all on wax unless you live outside of the u.s um <laughs> you know so i but i got my introduction to like collecting some of the robotech drops some of the godzilla drops and like the cool mechanics right like unpacking things um fusing things together to make other uh want the one-on-ones the rarities like I really started to vibe with what became things in the PFP world that we see today. You know, a lot of those mechanics, I started to understand them. And I was like, oh, all right, cool, this makes sense. Uh, and then I started to venture out from there. I made a real clear decision when I first got into this thing that I was never gonna onboard any of my OG Bitcoin or any of my like <laughs> fiat. It was gonna be whatever I, I could hustle and nickel and dime, I would. Um, and so the natural progression from the 20 cent wax coin was up to the 80 cent tezos coin i was like fucking bet um, <laughs> but before <laughs> love it we're stepping it up boys <laughs> we're moving from pesos to dollars um, <laughs> and so uh, i came out and kind of like started messing around with tez a little bit and i wasn't paper buddha yet i did a couple things on an open sea lazy mint they were buddha buddha themed uh, but they were like photo collage they were kind of weird um, they were artsy as fuck for sure. And what ended up happening was an anonymous person, I minted five things, an anonymous person came and scooped three of them within the first 24 hours, and then got a secondary on one of them in the next 24 hours. And so I was hooked, like, <laughs> bro, it was like drugs. I was like, <laughs> what just happened? Are you kidding me right now? Like, my phone notifications go off. I can't find this person, whoever they are still have no idea who it was uh, but it you know it got me immediately hooked into like what could be i was like oh my god like you this the potential for this is wild um so i kept making collage like that and like shilling and not understanding 
Twitter at all because I didn't I was new to Twitter. So I was like in every shill thread. I was like, bro, buy my shit. And uh <laughs> that shit you know, works I, I though. Got, I mean it does. I, does I did work. get a couple. Yeah, I did get a couple of decent sales out of shilling, but then you know, kind of hit a brick wall with it and started listening to pod. I wanted to learn more about everything. So I started listening to podcasts and I heard a podcast with uh Des Lacresse, Chemical Messiah. Um, and another homie and they were talking about branding yourself in the nft space and they're like bro your twitter your jiffy game like all that shit is you you know the the gifts that you choose um that's all you and that's all the brand you got to be the vibe uh and that's when i like took a step back and i was like okay bet who am i at my core and how do i fuse that into a brand uh and, and into kind of like if you will, the Ziggy Stardust to David Bowie, you know, that's, that's what the paper Buddha is, is it's my Ziggy Stardust. Dude, your gift game is fire. (laughs) (laughs) Fun story, bro. That's how we used to communicate back in the day in the hood. You know, you didn't want cops to know what you were saying. Uh, Just a bunch of random, random gifts, bro. Like, like bring bread, dude. And all of a sudden, like two ladies holding bread. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love it. Yeah. So I think you've done a great job with the branding aspect. Holy shit. I didn't realize people were giving out such great advice so early on. Yeah, I think it was that. And then, you know, I have a I have a professional history of doing like lifestyle brand type stuff, you know, so it made it really clicked right away for me. I was just like, oh, okay. so I'm going to be the persona and we need to build a whole brand around that. What does it look like? What's the long term vision? Uh, how do we put a business plan in place and start building a team around it? Yeah, so what's the timeline from uh, minting on Tezos to opening up the temple, your Discord? So that was like, it was a slow climb. You know, I, I didn't really know who was going to vibe with what. Uh, for me, I'm, I'm a fusion of of kind of Tim Leary and Alan Watts and a little bit of Rage Against the Machine, right? So there's like uh, very anti-establishment, very punk rock. Uh, which obviously vibes with Tezos in a big way. Uh, I come from a background of uh, Buddhism and LSD culture, you know, so really fusing all of that into one, I didn't know how people would vibe with it. Um, So I started at one Tez, 10 editions, and it took two weeks for me to sell it. You know, two weeks to sell 10 editions at one Tez is insane to think about now. Yeah. But it, it, you know, we just started at one Tezzy and we climbed up one Tez at a time. So the next drop, it was like, all right, I'm going to do another one at one Tez. Um, and then I did a 20, I did a five edition for 20 Tez. One dude bought it. It sat there for a while. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to burn the rest of it and make it a one-on-one. So the dude got a one-on-one for 20 Tez. Uh, and then from there, like lesson learned, I just kept doing multiple editions. And because I knew I could sell them out, it would just take a long time. Um, and so my goal was to shorten the window to a 24-hour sellout and then start slowly climbing my floor up until I met resistance. Uh, and so I did that up to about, I think we got up to about 30 Tez on 20 editions. And I started to feel resistance. And I also noticed that I was pricing out friends. And so we backed off of that. And I kind of fell back to uh, 20 editions at 20 Tez. And I, I still like rocking that because it rewards people like to come in, pay attention, get in on primary and get the deal uh, before it sells out kind of a thing. You know, so it took me probably four months, five months of just me, uh, Han Solo out there kind of figuring out the <laughs> economics, figuring out what was good. Um, but I had a discord spun up from day like really early. It was just me and a lot of my artist homies, uh, but we didn't really talk. It wasn't really active. And then one day I just threw out, like I, I started getting stomped by the algorithm really bad on Twitter, really mm. bad, dude. Like it's still really bad. I think right now at this point I'm at 16 K followers. I'll tweet something and get 15 likes dog. 15. Yeah. It's like, no, for real, I can go to Fred Meyer and fucking talk to 15 people faster than I can get likes on Twitter. So what the <laughs> fuck? Um, so once I started realizing that shit and how ridiculous it's the brand, it was like, yeah, we got to get, it is, dude. <laughs> um, um, so we got to get Discord spun up and I got to get active on Telegram, right? I have to diversify. Uh, I can't True. be centralized in my social. Uh, and that's when I made a tweet and I said, hey, I'm looking for Discord mods. 
Uh, and then a couple of guys that I knew from other servers hit me up. They're like, bro, I'd be interested. Uh, and from there, we just slowly kind of started bringing a few people in. When we got to about 20, I said, what do you guys want to call yourselves? You know, like this is a, this is a fucking us thing, not a me thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm just our mouthpiece and the Apple pencil. That's all I am. You know, so <laughs> what do you guys want to call yourself and they went through like a lot of really cool names and then settled on the temple uh and so i was like Perfect. that's it it's done yeah it's like the <clears throat> universe and we're going to build the universe together it's unreal uh, dude like so, i want to go back yeah. to one thing you said about like finding the resistance and then like settling at a price point i don't think any other artists really talk about doing that i mean threesomes definitely does that as well but i think that's insane to like you know, you have a culture that you're looking to build, right? And you're like, this is the price point of the people that want to be in the temple. And this just makes the most sense to like foster our community. Yeah. And then, I mean, so I, I, uh, I played World of Warcraft. I played World of Warcraft a lot, bro. A lot. Like I did the high <laughs> warlord grind, uh, hit rank 14. So like really sweaty. <laughs> and uh, while I was doing that, you know, like I, I ran a guild and had to motivate a lot of people and, and learned a lot about uh, building a community and like rewarding people that are involved in that community and, and seeking balance between a pay to win scenario and like a, a play to earn scenario. Right. So if I come at it like a video game, my whale collectors can afford to fuck around and come in next week and scoop the shit they want my primary core people are more like the people that are are the play to earn people who are like hey i can put in eight hours ten hours in world of warcraft and get that dope armor or i could be the guy with the dope job and buy that piece of armor and not spend 10 hours doing it because i got to spend 10 hours going to work and so I, i'm always trying to seek that balance of people that are engaged with the temple people that are engaged with me on social and in the real world uh, they get rewarded by having really cheap drops. Uh, you know, I'll just, they're, they're really cheap. Um, or uh, access to, you know, as one of one holders, they get tons of utility, tons of airdrops, um, all kinds of stuff like that. And that's rewarding the people that are really active. Uh, and then, of course, the whales can come in uh, and they do this all the time. They come in and sweep up the floor, get the core utility pieces they need and join the club. And it's great. Uh, everybody wins, right? Because uh, I'm always trying to make sure that the economics are balanced, uh, whether you're buying a multiple edition for five Tez or you're, you have a golden paper Buddha where we have a floor of 25 ETH. Uh, there's a way for you to go from one extreme to the other. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's always been my goal is to kind of create an upward path of mobility uh, coming into the collection and then balance, balancing that. I think that's got to be the model going forward, right? It's like for any artist, they should be on multiple chains and appealing to, you know, more people. Why not? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a big reason we're adding Saul, you know, is because it's the middle tier. You know, we need a middle tier to go from Tezos all the way up to Ethereum. Otherwise, what ends up happening, and no shade, I, I'm a huge monster collector in Des with Desilocres. I got a fucking huge Desilocres bag. Um, but there's no middle ground there. What's happening is his Tezos floor is shooting up to meet his ETH floor and there's nowhere for it to settle in between, right? So I'm uh -huh. trying to add kind of a middle class, if you will, with Solana. It's right in the middle of the road of Tezos and Ethereum as far as value today. Technologically speaking, it's also right in the middle of those two things. Um, it's not quite as agile as Tezos but it's not a gas hog like Ethereum, right? So you can move. Um, you can't do the crazy burn mechanics and crazy utility shit that we do on Tezos at all. Um, but it's going to be a great middle class and a great stepping stone for people who want to go from uh, the street corner to the boardroom. Yeah. It, go ahead. That's not explained enough, I, I feel like, because that's the first time it's been kind of broken down to me, at least, where I could see how practically onboarding to Solana would make sense and in, in if you're an artist, you know, and if you're a collector, you follow your artist. And I haven't messed around with Solana yet, but it's like on same. my radar. Like I want to, I just don't know if that's going to, the way I jumped into Tezos, it like opened up this whole new world of like, it was just overwhelming. And I don't know if I could do that a whole nother time, but I want to. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot there, man. It's crazy. Um, 
that I think there's enough alpha signal around the campfires in all directions that I'm really fucking bullish on it. I mean, like I heard a comment this morning about somebody's Ethereum fucking Genesis block shit and them saying that their Solana investments, you know, are more treasured to them than that. And I was like, who has a big ass statement, dude? Wow. What's going on on Solana? You know, so I definitely <laughs> like, you can't ignore it at this point, not financial advice for sure, but you can't ignore it. Yeah. Um, never on and this with podcast. The recent, <laughs> no, never would we do such a thing, but with, with the, with the recent dip, you know, a hundred percent worth taking a look at. And what's Solana trading at? I think the last time I looked was before the dip around a hundred. Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was down to like, uh, in the not around nineties, but when I was first minting over there it was up to two twenty. So I'm like, mm. all right. I know wow. that there's a lot of headroom. It's just, it needs to bounce back. And so it's basically on discount right now. I'm they all seem like, to bounce. Yeah, like <laughs> They definitely do, yeah. Damn, Solana's on discount? Mm. Might need some Solana. Big time. Yeah. Time to diversify. <laughs> cheap tacos, though, still. still yeah, for real. I've had. been taking advantage yeah. of just finding new artists. Like, I found three this morning. It was exciting. Brought me back to the old school days when I had money. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gobbling it up, dude. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so I th- actually remember, I think the first time I saw you in like Discord land was in the Artifacts Discord. Yeah. You were Artifacts hanging out in there like, a lot. Yeah, the Artifacts, that's my jam, dude. I'm a full set collector over there. Super heavy on the project. Really bullish on Roger Dickerman. Uh, on RG, 100%. You know, like, yeah, like some of the first podcasts I ever listened to were you guys and uh, and RD origin stories, you know, and that is like, I would consider my education. Like I, I sat around and would smoke hella weed and listen to like literally every single one and, and be like, all right, I like what that guy did here. He's a fucking idiot for saying this thing over there. Yeah. Uh, but he's a genius for doing this other thing with his collectors. And I'm literally no bullshit taking notes, paper and pen every episode. And then like, so as soon as like, I started learning about the artifacts project with RD, um, I immediately got in, figured out how to mint enough on Tezos to hit the exchange, put enough Ethereum in my bag to make sure that I could get every single one of them, right? Like, like just being super frugal and not like I passed on apes. I, I passed on board apes. Um, because I was like, I can't do that and that. And I found way more value with the artifacts project, with the vision, with the blue chip artists that were already there. I knew that if I came in hot as a collector, I would have access and attention, right? I came mm-hmm. in super early on the project. So they're like, who's this fucking weird paper Buddha guy? <laughs> you know, he's, he's in here in our discord and he's got all these, I love Lucy uh, gifts and we don't know what the fuck that means. You know, but <laughs> we get that code. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you got that one. Yeah, uh, little Lucy in the sky with diamonds. But I've got six uh, of the the sculptures. That's as far as I've gotten so far. But I I love them, dude. I just like the idea of like having the artist one of one, and then Dirk at Works rendition of all of those in the three D space, and then Unreal Engine the Avatar version of it. Like they just have all this stuff they layer on. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they've got the treasure hunt going on right now. So like actually utilizing unreal like for what unreal is made for you know the vision of of the, i don't want to give away too much man but like a lot of cool shit going on with partnerships and cyberspace in the future yeah getting that discord uh, yeah, it's way bullish. On. i remember yeah. i remember when he um teased that for us and then told us what it was after yeah, yeah we had to keep our mouth shut i was like was it awesome. feels like we were sitting right here and I was like, well because we were sitting right here um <laughs> But he explained the concept of artifacts to us, and it's just like, it's like, yeah, that that totally makes sense. And and I guess he's a perfect person to drive that type of initiative. Yeah, much respect to RD. Yeah, just had a know, and I gotta say, yeah, big time. Uh, what? Yeah, yesterday or the day before was the birthday. Yeah, I think it's my wife's birthday. Too. I think it was the twenty fourth on Monday, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Happy yeah, birthday. Um, I got to say too, like there's, there's some great, he doesn't call it utility, but there's utility as a full set collector. Um, You know, every event that I've been at, we've had a fantastic dinner together, uh, been able to hang out with the artifacts crew, like not just Dirk and everybody behind the scenes, but the artists as well, like hanging Mm -hmm. out with Tommy, uh, Tommy Wilson and like, just, just kicking it in Miami. Like we were best buddies from way back, you know? (laughs) Uh, And he's, he's just like a good, 
down-to-earth dude, bro. We jump out of the thing at the club and he's just like, hey guys, he's like <laughs> hanging out out front, you know? We're like, dude, did you just like Uber over here by yourself? He's like, yeah, just hanging out. You know? Tommy's the man. Oh, he's great, you know? So like lots of cool uh, behind the scenes utility stuff. But, you know, again, he doesn't quite call it utility yet, but there's a lot of utility in the project. So this is a good segue. Let's talk about utility because there is this big like divide. There's some artists out there that are just like, oh, it should just be the art. and You don't need utility. But I think, you know, the purpose of an NFT is that you can give art utility. And that's kind of cool. It can obviously your work is beautiful art and there's no denying that. And it's awesome that it also comes with utility. I'm so bullish on utility, man. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, so I saw a couple of homies, close artist friends tweet, uh, you know, the art is the utility and something didn't sit right. I was like, that's not true, bro. Like that's bullshit. The reason I'm here in web three is the utility. Like the, the stuff I said about the wax blockchain and, uh, you know, the utility there of burning packs and collectability and just like how they do that shit over there. I guess that ingrained within me, like the art should have utility, beautiful or not. Uh, And that utility is an art in and of itself. If you get it right, man, it says a lot about your intellect. It says a lot about your ability to lead a team, you know? So I think that, yeah, it just didn't sit right with me at all. And so I really started thinking about it. Well, how do I add utility? Um, First, it was like, what utility is everyone else doing that's real easy? So I just did an airdrop. I was like, all right, let's do an airdrop on ETH. Because uh, I'm a full send kind of guy. I don't really do a whole lot of research. I was like, well, fucking we'll airdrop on ETH. It won't be a thing. It won't, gas won't be a thing at all. Uh, yeah, right. So I, I did an airdrop to all my OpenSea collectors and, and got kicked in the teeth with like two ETH and gas. Hmm. Uh, and I was like, oh my God. So utility on, on Ethereum is going to be pretty rough unless I'm a blue chip, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So back to Tez with the utility thing, um, you know, and uh, did a couple more airdrops on Tez and then they just started to drag my floor down. And I was like, what do I do with these airdrops? Like, I know, let's make them into event tickets. And if we make them into event tickets, people will, you know, hopefully that'll raise the value. They'll see there's some real world utility to the thing. Uh, and so we did that. We being me, just me at the time. And said, I'm going to Miami, fucking blunts and brunch, bro. Like, let's all get together, smoke Saw weed, that. eat yeah. some food. Uh, you need to own these pieces if you want to come get free food and I'll, I'll cover it. And That's all of a sudden legit. they started moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, all of a sudden they started moving and I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I get it now. So I really just started coming up with a game plan for utility across the board. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot of one-on-ones out at the time. So I was like, uh, I had just deployed my custom manifold contract on Ethereum. Object had become the new place uh, after the whole hen debacle. And so they had kind of your own collection rather than a shared collection. Uh, not the perfect contract on Tez, but better than it was, better than the shared end. Um, so anyway, you know, I just said, cool, what's the game plan? I want a couple of different tiers and created a tier system where... My golden paper Buddhas, I'm only making 12 of those. I've already made four. Um, they have all sold, you know, pretty pretty decently high uh, around two ETH, um, 777 Tez. Uh, and that was a long time ago that that one sold at 777. So that was like, for me, that was a huge, huge, huge sale then. Anyway, there's only four of those made and that's the top tier right now. The, the floor on those is 25 ETH. Um, and I cover everything for stay, food, uh, you know, any party favors that you could imagine at, at <laughs> NFT events um, in the U.S. And then we do two kind of just golden paper events per year. Um, you know, we're looking into Formula One in Austin, wow. getting paddock passes, hanging out with Tezos and Red Bull uh, and McLaren and like the full-blown VIP experience, get put up in the penthouse, the whole deal. Uh, that's the utility for owning a golden paper Buddha. That's why the floor is so high. Uh, and there's only four of them that are owned right now. Uh, and we're going to do another auction at East Denver for one of them. That's like the top top one. And then underneath that utility-wise is uh, our paper um, contract, which we do two auctions a, a month on. Uh, and that's me covering stay and food and um partying at 
the major NFT events. And we're going to about six a year, usually more. Um, so like NFT NYC, uh, Miami, um, Art Basel, and then East Denver. Then we'll be in Vegas. We'll be in LA. Um, so we have a full calendar all year. Um, but yeah, and then um, the one-on-one Paper Buddha Buddies, which you see, um, I need to go get a live auction going. Um, those, <laughs> which you see, uh, those have a lot of cyberspace utility where you're getting airdrops, um, you're getting temple token drops and temple tokens are a collection that we made uh, that is a utility tokens that we use in Discord. So a burn token or a, an evolution token, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, of basically an in-game currency for the paper world. I just always hear people, I was thinking while you were explaining there, like people are always talking about like, you know, what a utility of an NFT could be. And they talk about like meetups and dinners and stuff, but you know, hearing someone like you actually explain like the plan and what you've already done and like seeing you do it, it's, it's, uh, it seems like a, an incentive that is always promised, but I don't know if you ever see, you know, maybe you don't see behind the scenes, but getting to hear how it's like explained and planned and we were and kind of there. executed, you know what I mean? Yeah. We kind of did like an impromptu grotto <laughs> temple meetup in Boston. It was awesome. That was true. Yeah, it was great. That's yeah. You guys were there for, um, so that was me doing utility with my paper holders, my whole paper crew. I flew them out to Boston. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, we're, we're bougie as fuck too. So frozen. Uh, the first thing we do, yeah, dude, we go to like, uh, get all the high-end fashion stuff, our little espressos, <laughs> uh, you know, and then we come hang out with the grotto. Uh, we go back, you know, I cover the Airbnb. We go out to nice food. We do the thing. We have adventures around town. Um, so yeah, that's, that's real, real, real life utility. And we apologize how cold it was in Boston at the time. We'll have to do it I was, again. Like I was going to, I was going to say it probably worked out for you guys. Cause if you're roaming around the streets and no one's out there, it's just kind of too cold. You got the whole place to yourself pretty much. Yeah, it was great. Um, I mean, it was fucking cold guys. Jeez, it was like 50 <laughs> mile an hour winds and zero. Yeah. Degrees. That roof. I think it's going to be worse this weekend. Rough. Yeah, it's been blizzards out here in Michigan, so. We're getting that. It's Fuck. coming. It's coming. So wait, you're going to you're going to Vegas. Yeah, I'll be in NFT land in March. Yeah, you got to come. I got a, a panel. I need emotional support. I'm on a panel with three <laughs> Oh, boy. A couple of other people. <laughs> Tyler's rolling solo, and I feel like he's just um, going to find his way. It's going to be a great time. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Kick off the auction? Yeah, I'm just waiting for the link. There's like a two minute lag from when you sign it with Kukai Wallet and when you get a link for the auction. When we, you guys were up in Boston, uh, I kind of avoided getting into any deeper conversations with you because I wanted to save them for this podcast. Like, can you give us a little bit about your background in Buddhism? Like, I think my, my wife knows more about you than I do. <laughs> That's cool. She's rad, bro. We talked for a while. She's yeah. Cool. What a line. <laughs> yeah, my background in Buddhism is actually so I grew up on the West Coast and kind of grew up up and down the West Coast in group homes, foster homes, juvenile halls, jails, institutions, blah, blah, blah. And uh, would come back and like visit with my mom every now and then. And she was dating this dude named Rick Watts. And Rick's, Rick's dad was named Alan, Alan Watts. And I was like, all right, um, well, you're a fucking weirdo. And, but, but I would come over and like, I would start listening. I'd be like, oh, this dude's the vibe. And I would like, I would like listen to Rick and I'd listen to like, they were at the time they were doing these, um, um, trans transcribing his lectures in the audio books. And so like, there would always be his, his voice playing and it would be very soothing. He's got a very funny voice. Um, but I would always leave with some little bit of wisdom that made my life suck less. You know, it was like, I had a pretty rough life, man. I got kicked in the teeth a lot. And, uh, you know, like as a young man, you don't really know how to deal with that stuff. Uh, especially cause I didn't have any kind of father figure in my life at all. And so just hearing a lot of the Buddhist teachings retold in a funny way, like that's what Zen's about. It's kind of like awakening people with humor awakening mm -hmm. you know you can't make yourself laugh you can't make yourself have a realization you're gonna have to have that happen to you um and so i understood that relationship and, and of a, a master and a student kind of a thing and started seeking 
uh, more Buddhist stuff because it made me feel less shitty. And I was able to like put things in a better perspective, uh, you know, instead of feeling like a victim or whatever, um, feeling like, oh, this is just a means to an end. And you kind of go through this for that. Um, so, you know, I had some real world, some real world applications with that. And yeah, just started doing a self-discovery, slowly learning about Buddhism along the way as a Westerner, um, not speaking uh, any of the traditional languages, no Japanese, no Pali, no, you know, uh, I can't speak any, any of that. Um, so it was a very much a Western point of view. And um, to top it off, it was uh, very much soaked in LSD culture, which dilutes that a little bit, um, you know, puns intended. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so it all becomes kind of a hodgepodge. Um, so, and you see that in my art, you see that it's, um, not only is it traditional um, Tibetan, but it's mixed with um, Japanese style. Uh, it's mixed with, um, you know, things from Thailand. The shadows in my work are inspired from Indonesian shadow puppetry. Uh, you know, there's a lot of kabuki elements that I use, like visually. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's as, my art is as diverse as I am as far as Buddhist, Buddhism and, and Buddhist art is concerned. So when did you start like your creative sense or like start developing, you know, the ideas or idea of art creation, whether through whatever medium, at what point were you like conceptualizing and actually kind of piecing together, you know, some of the art that you see today, because it's like another one of those where you look at it, you're like, that's a paper Buddha and, and it's stuff that you can kind of like stare at forever, you know? So at what point, like in your, story journey whatever did you start creating art in a way so um funny story about that i uh i did i was a rave dj in the early 90s so i was i, I started spinning records when i was around 12 uh would go i remember going to the raves and, and like pulling my records out of the milk crate and flipping the milk crate upside down so i could reach the decks and then throwing my records behind the mixer and like that's how i would be able to do everything so like from a really early age, DJing, so music uh, and graffiti and like big time graffiti uh, in Oakland and in San Francisco, just like uh, I would scribe windows. I would fucking do big throwies. Like I was out trying to do pieces under underpasses, like hanging off of buildings. Uh, and like I did all this stuff until I was about 18. And then as soon as I hit 18, uh, I had to make the tough choice of like, yo, I need to go make that bread, man. I need to go on the paper chase. I need to go like give up the artist stuff because you can't make money being an artist. That's bullshit. Uh, and I need to go work on, I need to go, you know, work on the corner, man. I need to go get into the dope game. And so uh, I didn't do art again until January of last year. Wow. And so it was like, yeah, I mean, I just have pent up artistic aggression, bro. <laughs> like <laughs> I've had this shit stewing forever. Like your style you know, just bleeds then, through, man. It's just like it, like Larry said, it's just so identifiable. It's like it 100% is you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it is, like I said, it's, it's, I spent a lot of time looking at Buddhist art and, and reimagined it in my head, kind of like the same way you imagine a book when you read it. Um, and so this stuff has been in my head for a real long time and I collect stock material, uh, like I used to collect records. And so I've literally got folders of like blue Buddhas, red Buddhas, green Buddhas, fucking water elementals, fire elementals. Like I've got folders and folders and folders. And then same thing on the sci-fi side, like this is a cover from 1896. This is a cover from, you know, uh, 1912, you know, and, and it was a weird robot or this one's a weird UFO. And I've got them cataloged just like I would records. Um, and so there's a big pent up backstock of like the parts that I need to make the inventory, if you were to look at it like that. Um, and so it's, you know, conceptually, they've been in my brain forever. And now I'm getting them out kind of on paper, if you will. So like, walk us through kind of like a workflow as you're grabbing assets and you're imagining what this next piece is going to be. How much like are you drawing connectors, you said with the, the pencil? Yeah, so I've got, um, so I work off of my iPad. It's all digital, uh, all in Photoshop. And usually what happens is I take a bunch of acid and I start pulling shit and putting it together. I, I start like, as soon as I start feeling Lucy kick in, uh, I start digging into my stock and I go, all right. And I set up a blank space background 
every time I move it, I have a, I have a huge role of this, like digitally, I have a huge role of it. And so I can expand it and move it around. So the space, the stars are never in the same place. You're looking at something different every time. So the first thing I do is I lay up a bunch of backgrounds, usually 10 at a time. Um, and then I, I vibe out with music that, like, and I actually put that playlist in our discord and temple tunes, um, that I usually like throw that on and get real weird. Uh, <laughs> and then just <laughs> start looking for Buddhas, man, start looking for cool, like, um, you know, whatever the vibe is, it's usually like robots or aliens or UFOs. Um, and, uh, sometimes it's fantasy bits, but usually it's sci-fi bits. Um, and then I've noticed that the deeper I go, uh, the more pure the LSD is, the more shit is going on in it. So like, if you look at my foundation Genesis piece, there's a ton of shit going on. Yeah. Zoom into those. Weeks. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and that was like four weeks of me, you know, three days tripping, two days of clearing my receptors, another three days of tripping. Um, so it mind. gets real wild. Yeah, dude, <laughs> it gets real wild. Um, but yeah, doing 10 of those at a time. And I usually just kind of do rough cuts and throw them together to make sure the colors match, to make sure like, uh, I'm staring at the water elemental auction that we've got live right now, you know, and it's like, I made sure that the Buddha was blue, which matches the water, which is blue. And then, you know, there's orange elements and red elements, uh, green elements. So they like all kind of match, even though it's a bunch of different things. So um it sounds weird but i kind of like blur my vision and make sure that the colors if they were splashed up on a wall they don't clash um so once i do that i do that for about 10 pieces at a time and then what will happen after that is i'll start getting into the finer cut so i'll, I'll sober up a little bit um and as i'm i'm kind of coming into the afterglow that's when I'm like with my Apple pencil, zooming in, getting really fine detailed cuts everywhere. And it's very meditative for me. You know, it's uh, Tonka art is a meditation in and of itself. The, the, that's the, what we call the tapestry in Buddhism. Looking at it right now, I love those little, um, the diver suits from back in the day. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, bef um, I like using, uh, it's like retro futurism almost. It's what we imagined the future would be like before it happened. Right. Like this is a picture of what we thought scuba diving would be like. Could you fucking imagine, dog? <laughs> so, you got to put that shit on every time. We'd never see any fish. Kidding? Nobody would. Guy. No way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I love using stuff like that, like impractical, weird. Like if you look at a lot of the Paper Buddha Buddy collection on Tezos, it's a lot of really weird retro futurism stuff. Um, so I, I really dig that vibe um, because I think it, it, lets you be even more creative with the thing it's not just a dude scuba diving you're like yo this is like jules verne type stuff man let's go ten thousand leagues under the sea yeah and the so, waves and are very that, on the japanese style yeah correct yeah that's actually from ja good eye that's actually from japanese uh you know japanese buddhist art yeah always having fun with those we've got the four different elements um you know we've got uh, a big event coming up next month a uh, big evolution event you know, and that that's within the collection. I don't want to give away too much, but yeah, like like being able to put together some of the paper Buddha buddies and make unique ones. Ah. Um, so lots of cool stuff going on with that. Your pieces look like they could be made out of paper. Like someone could have cut those with an exacto knife and like layered them on there, you know? Yeah. When I first started, um, I had people thinking I was illustrating. Like they didn't understand that it was collage. They thought I was an illustrator. And I was like, no, nah, my hands shake like way too much <laughs> to be an illustrator, man. Uh, I'm on, hopped up on 80 shots of espresso. There's no way. So, <laughs> and, yeah. and the ass. Um, like, uh, yeah, and the ass definitely get a little shaky, bro. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, when I heard Chemical Messiah talk about you are the brand and, and you got to think about what, defines you as the brand and artistically like i really started thinking about guardrails like i don't like rules i don't like guardrails like but um you have to have a little bit of structure in order to really excel right uh, i'm a formula one guy you got to keep your fucking car on the road <laughs> so uh that, that made sense to me and i was like well what does it mean to keep my car on the road like all right so what defines my work is that paper texture and the, the word paper having so many different meanings from paper money, 
from the paper chases, from literally blotter paper and paper acid to the textures that I use being paper, like pulp paper. Um, it's pulp sci-fi and it's mixed with uh, paper. It's all paper shit. So yeah. um, that, you know, combined with the drop shadow work that is the, you know, inspiration from Indonesian shadow puppetry, um, you know, telling a story, you can look at every single piece and there's a different story told within the shadows. You know, some of these paper Buddha buddies, you'll look at them and you'll see, I go crazy on the shadows and I'm not so um, quiet about it. And you can see people getting eaten up in the shadows, like up above the Buddha, <laughs> you know, and there's like some super wild stuff going on in those shadows. You really got to, you can learn a lot from the shadows. Love that. That's tagline. Yeah, that's definite tagline. <laughs> <laughs> I went to your link tree and you have your stuff so fucking well organized. Like you find all your different collections on there. Thanks. Yeah. One of the big hurdles is kind of centralized, centralizing all that information. You know, link tree is a really great tool. I think it's free. Uh, I just highly recommend artists use the hell out of link tree. Um, on the back end, you know, we're developing our website at paperbuddha.xyz and you go there and you can see all the collections. You can click into them. And we're working on building a, out a Web3 native experience where you can connect whatever wallet it is, you know, whether it's Phantom Wallet for Sol or a Kukai or a Temple Wallet for Tez, you know, or your MetaMask wallet for Ethereum. And you can buy the piece right there, working on being able to facilitate our own secondary on our own website. You know, so if, uh, if somebody goes down, it's not a big deal. We're holding the auction on our website. That's um, sick, man. That's real yeah. decentralization right there. Yeah, you know, we're slow. I'm slowly like in control of my own smart contracts and deploying my own contracts everywhere that I can uh, for exactly that reason. I don't want, uh, I've seen what happens with Twitter and their algorithm and keep kicking me in the teeth every day. It's an abusive relationship and I keep coming back every day, <laughs> you know, and it's the fucking worst. She treats me, she treats me terrible and I keep coming in every day like, hey, come on, Twitter, like maybe 10 yeah. likes for GM. Is today going to be the day? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, definitely want to make sure that doesn't happen to me on OpenSea or, you know, I'm sure the boys at Super Rare will eventually want, want to talk to me, hopefully, maybe. Uh, <laughs> and if that happens and, and maybe they don't like me talking about LSB so overtly and they decide to, like, push me down, uh, I want to make sure I'm okay on my website. I feel like you know, drugs so. for a long time have been associated with great art. I don't think that that should be a barrier for anyone to be onboarded to any site. I agree. I think if anything, that should be like a check off the resume. Like, oh, this dude, right? <laughs> For yeah. sure, he's woke. Yeah, he makes all of this on LSD. Like that is, it's crazy the way your workflow like goes with the ebbs and flows and the waves that you are on, like in the state. And like that is, it's just wild that that just lines up perfectly. Yeah, it's almost like it was kind of by design, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How big can we blow these up? Like, if you were going to throw one on the wall. Uh, depends on the one. So the stuff that I'm doing on paper, those are 8K uh, HD. So you could put them up on the biggest display that you could buy and still be at max, like it won't be at max res. Um, so on the side of a building. And then paper Buddha buddies are 20, uh, 2048 by 2048. So it's a little more of a digital native scenario. But any of the verticals or widescreens you see, those are all 8K HD. Shit. That's wild. And so you can get way lost. So like now that I say that and you're sitting there looking at it at your phone, yeah. zoom into a hundred percent dog. And it's like I'm literally a toenail. It's a toenail. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm like getting my fingers accustomed to time. And you know, my, my challenge has always been that I only have a limited amount of characters on, on Twitter or, uh, you know, everybody doesn't have 10 hours to hang out with me in the discord chat and like really get in depth with the art and what's going on with the community and the utility. So building out the Discord was really kind of that first step and realizing that Twitter is the big city where we're all rushing to and fro and we're like, hey, what's up, dog? Oh, hey, good to see you, brother. And then you kind of like <laughs> keep going. Uh, where are we going? Well, dude, we're either going to our studio or to a Discord or to a Telegram chat. And so I was Same like, well, place. I got to make the third place, right? Like Starbucks is on the way home from work. That's what my Discord is. That's yeah. what we're trying to do at the temple. Dude, where that's I can have a little wild. Like, talking, yeah. It's like put everything right in its place within an, an actual metaverse, like Twitter being the big city where you go get your news mm -hmm. and just say hi. And then you can go hang out at the temple, hang out at the grotto, drop into artifacts, mm -hmm. pick up some groceries. 
yes. haven't even started talking about like crypto voxels and like just jumping in there or you know hanging out in in the tie dye ninjas dojo for a while and watching like a Dirty Birds concert. Like that shit's wild, dude. We can do that right now. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> We're here oh in cyberspace. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Did you ever see any of this coming? Absolutely, dude. So I, I'm a huge sci-fi nut. Like I grew up playing uh, Cyberpunk 2020, the tabletop role-playing game, and like uh, read 2600 Quarterly when I was a kid. You know, Hacker Magazine uh, was like into Blade Runner. Anything futuristic sci-fi, I was super into. So I mean, we're two steps in front of Ready Player One right now. So like, yeah, totally, I saw this coming, uh, and became incredibly <laughs> bullish as soon as the world of Warcraft dude and me saw NFT art. And I went, yo, you mean like the high warlord gear that I have? I could put that on and go over into another game and fuck somebody up. I could go into Call of Duty and sh- and stab somebody with my sword of truth. <laughs> game on, dude. You know, so as soon as I saw NFTs and like what the blockchain could do potentially for microtransactions, for video games in general, and then what's the next thing for video games? The next thing for video games is cyberspace, all about Ready Player One. And it's like, yeah, dude, no shit. Of course I want to be here right now. This is, we're building the plumbing. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's wow, weird the way like real life influences the movies and then the movies end up influencing real life like later. Like we're just building towards Ready Player One. Isn't it great? Yeah, dude. Like that's always been the Star Trek conundrum. Like what comes first, dude? Is it the sci-fi or is it the science or the fiction film? You know, Whoa! The sci-fi or the science, and the answer is both, dude. It's it's chicken or egg stuff. It's like I grew up watching Star Trek. So did everybody else. It's in the NASA program now. So and guess what we're building? Star Trek shit. Three <laughs> yeah. D printers, bro. The three D printer is a step away from a replicator from Star Trek. Like your yeah, phone like Apple is basically watches. a tricorder. Yeah, yeah. You got the iPad. Like go look at any uh, go look at any OG Star Trek, and they literally have an iPad in Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what the fuck? Maybe, yeah, maybe yeah, just crazy. select people had iPads and just were ahead of time. <laughs> yeah. Back there with yeah, the Kindle. No, I, I did. I, I think the Kindle. <laughs> I think that there's definitely some, an, an inkling of what we're walking into, but I don't think I could have been prepared financially. Like what's going on financially? That's pretty wild. Yeah. The money behind everything is, uh, especially back in like January, February was wild last year. Yeah, I mean, it's creating an opportunity for people to break free of like corporate shackles too, which I think is really cool, man. Like um, to leave all that square shit behind and to say, oh, I can kind of blaze my own way, do my own thing. There's plenty of money to be made. You know, my buddy Domino dropped a, he dropped his album on ETH and he made more on his drop than he would have ever made with a fucking record deal. And now he's self-funding all of it. I'm like, dude, that's the future right there. Like I'm so bullish on the blockchain and the financial opportunity for everybody you don't have to say you're a dude or you're a chick you don't have to say shit you could be like i'm a fucking robot my homie one robot he's a robot dude (laughs) it's a it's a whole new uh it's a whole new world and it's a level playing field and i saw these old world web 2 blue check dudes coming in and asking like hey what's this nft thing that's when i realized yo the game got reset if you're interested in jumping in right now everyone's at the same spot even me, I'm a six month dummy, dude. I've I've been here for what a year, barely. Like I barely know what's going on. Um, so amen it's, to it's that. Super, yeah, dude. It's all new. It's all level playing field stuff. So I'm real bullish on it. I'm real bullish on the financial side, freeing people as well. Fuck yeah, man. Blaze your own trail, like you said, into less commercial work and just being able to be independent. It was cool to hear you kind of break it down, man. Uh, the, the the context behind your art. This has been great. Thanks for fucking giving us a little bit of a backstory because that, that's what we're here for just in, just to kind of dig a little bit and, and, and find the context i guess you could say but i always say like at some point i'm gonna <laughs> buy stuff on tez and like just be able to jump change but the uh i don't know the knowledge that you lay down on during this conversation is is kind of opened my eyes in a, in a few different ways so i appreciate you that. know you're not alone man i think there's a lot of people that um i think change I'm not saying this is true for you, but change can be a little uncomfortable, especially when you just get your bearings on a new chain. Like, for like sure. let's say you get on a theory and like, all right, I got this fucking shit figured out. And then they're like, yeah, but what about Tesla? You're like, oh, what? Yeah. Um, yeah. So one of the things I'm trying to do, like we just did a temple run on Ethereum and a temple run is similar to a grotto chase. 
you know, you want to collect four drops and then the fifth one gets dropped and it has utility. And so what we're doing is we're dropping not only an Ethereum piece to the guys that complete the Ethereum temple run, but we're also dropping Tezos temple token. So we're, dro we're dropping two different utility pieces, one on each chain to really like to, to onboard you, get you your Kukai wallet set up, get you a temple token. You're already in Discord with us and like, bam, first one's free, baby. You know, so so that's um, we've thought about that. You know, onboarding people onto Tez is a, is a big deal. You know, so really exploring what's possible cross project and cross chain. It's cool that here to like I feel like projects and individuals, whoever you want to put it here, and like collaborations like this with with projects and communities that are pretty well set and just kind of being able to go cross, you know, cross community and keep growing the utility. I feel like you know there's there's some groups in that can do that. And it's um, kind of exciting to see, you know, once you kind of have your own path, you can dip in into, into each other really and, and, and grow kind of just naturally again. But Tezos is a lot like that where like you would find one community, it leads you to another community and you would just find all these artists just hyping each other up to just love art. Yeah. You know, the air is thin, man. It was funny when we were in Miami, uh, you know, the Grotto events were going on. We had our little blunt and brunch going on and, at the Blunt and Brunch, I was like, yo, fucking 70% of my collectors are in the grotto anyway. You know, <laughs> and just to see just to see the crossover was like really funny in real life because you never would know it on the blockchain. That's, you know, that's a good point. You have to do some some discovery. But then just seeing everybody in live was like, yo, we were all hanging out together last night. You know, it was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think a lot of the way I approach what I'm doing is I'm I'm a bullish collector, man. I'm a heavy collector. Like I love collecting uh, new artists, blue chip artists. Like my favorite shit to do is get super high and come sweep somebody's entire collection on Tez. I'll <laughs> get it all, bro. And then love I'll send it. him a message. Yeah, I'll send him a message like I got it. Um, you know, so I, I love collecting. And so I always try to come from a collector first focus. Like, you know what really sucks about collecting? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm not going to do that. Um, so, you know, I'm always trying to make it a, a smooth collector experience too. <laughs> Um, especially because like I don't have a lot of time so I know what it's like to be pinched on time as a big collector in a project you know like artifact man like I'm fucking full set there yeah, like, yeah, I'm, as, yeah. I'm as heavy as you get with that but I don't have a lot of time so I have to be real selective about it conviction um, though. so when I'm building out yeah well when I'm building out mechanics I have to think kind of like RD does in an opt out rather than an opt in kind of way like oh don't worry dude I automatically signed you up for the utility thing let me know if yeah, you want yeah. me to change that <laughs> you know because that's definitely the way to rock it it's true well we'll let you get back to writing that super rare application <laughs> <laughs> thank you maybe we can, me. yeah maybe we can just send them the whole podcast link before it comes out and see what they say <laughs> like we just yeah, take a just creative route and just send yeah. them like here here's the audio in a little video <laughs> it's <Yeah>. an application <laughs> technically it's I'm an application I got collabs coming up with a couple of super rare guys. Maybe they'll, you know, can't get there in the front go. door. Maybe we'll get in the back door. If you got, if you got a good group with you, I mean, it, it, it's, it's possible. Temple all, all the way. Time. Yeah. All in good time. We're doing, we're doing well where we're at. Love it. All right, PB. Hey, good luck on the auction right, tonight. And every night. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Every day. Yeah. All right, much love. Feel like we'll run into you. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Yep. All right, bro. Peace. Damn. That's nifty. single line. I sure as hell didn't know that. Fuck Render built a gallery to raise new artist popularity. What a guy. Yeah, man. Too much lag like a nomad. All his belongings in a single bag. All these things, can't you see? I learned all that today. 
That's nifty, that's NFT That's a nifty, nifty NFT That's nifty, that's NFT That's a nifty, nifty NFT That's nifty, that's NFT That's a nifty, nifty NFT That's nifty, that's NFT That's a nifty, nifty NFT Damn, that's a nifty NFT